Hey, Jerome. Hey, boo. How's it going? It is going really well today. How about with you? Oh, wait, you went to the beach today, didn't you? <gasps> we did go to the beach. And oh, I nice. think it is not illegal right now to go to the beach. The beach was open. The parking lot was not open, but we parked nearby and walked to the beach. And there was even a park ranger there who did not stop us. So we were being legally safe and sound. And whew, it was gorgeous. And that water, that sunshine, it is like a, a salve on so many quarantine wounds. Oh, gosh, that sounds so good to hear. That's, that's so good. Yeah. Did you uh, run today? <laughs> I did. I went to pray with my feet and <laughs> run into other uh, fellow hikers and runners, and it was fantastic. I do think it was funny, though, that I saw people that would uh, cover their face, and then the other person would cover their face pretty, you know, uh, hastily as well, like, Fuck you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't want your cuties either. <laughs> I was so tickled by it. Uh, wait, so do you run with a mask or no? Oh my God, no. Lord, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like you'll pass out. This is, we're in the South, Laura. You I know. It's different. Pass there. out in Kroger <laughs> with your mask on. I do use it, but you pass out. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's hard. I yeah. I mean, I don't run nearly as much as you do and we don't have near the humidity you have and I do find myself just kind of struggling huffing and puffing when I run with a mask on. Yes. Yes. But um yeah, but it was great outside. You know, um great outside. Lots of folk. I love it. Good. Good. Well, today we are going to be talking about a book um, that I'm actually just finishing up, but wanted to hop on and do this because, and I don't remember where I heard about this book, um, but I grabbed it and was had like medium expectations of it, and it really surprised me. So I'll I'll stop um, avoiding what it is. It's called "Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies." You can guess what effing means. Um, the author is Tara Schuster, and actually the the subtitle is, okay, so it's by yourself the fucking, oh, effing lilies <laughs> and other rituals to fix your life from someone who's been there by Tara Schuster. And she is a, an executive at Comedy Central. She's been involved in the um, Key and Peele show. She worked with Jon Stewart for a while on The Daily Show, um, Lights Out with David Spade. So she's in the comedy world and she's, she's a, a good comedic writer. The book is definitely geared to younger millennials. There's a lot of uh, all caps, a lot of uh, text abbreviations. Um, it moves quickly. It's sh chunky, short. And even so, even though I'm not at all a millennial and it is not written for me, I took a lot of things from this that I thought were interesting, a lot of practices. It's very um, action-oriented. And there were a couple of things we wanted to talk about today. One of them came at the very beginning of the book. 
and it was um, a quote from Nora Ephron's commencement address to Wellesley College, and the author, Tara, went to Wellesley. Um, and she gave this quote from the speech, and it's online if you want to go watch it or you can read the transcript. But the quote from the from the speech that really kind of rocked her world at the time when she this, the author was getting ready to make all these changes in her life was, the quote is, above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. And something about that really stuck with me because um, in thinking about this podcast in particular, I think there's something about transitioning from being a kid to a teenager to a grown-up that sometimes you forget that you are the one in charge of your own life. If you're working for somebody, if you're listening to your parents, there are lots of people seemingly kind of determining your fate all along your path. And I just think it would be a really important piece of advice for a younger kid to to really encode is that I get to choose what I want to be, what I want to do, how I show up in the world. And it isn't stuff happening to me. I I can respond to it and move on. I can make different choices. And I just think that that's a really interesting thing to think about. I've been talking a lot. What do you think, Jerome? Oh, I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm in agreement. And I was thinking like, it must be so hard for a parent to sit and watch uh, a kid create their own story and mm. create what they want to do when you have insight um, from, you know, um, just how difficult some of those things are. Um, it's sort of my, one of my reflections this morning was when I was at a cookout yesterday um, with my family at my brother's, he, his daughter it turned 16, got a new Jeep with 35 inch wheels and it's all jacked up. So it's so cute. It's so cute. Uh, but the other one, the younger one, I think she's 14 and a half and we were talking about colleges and the such, and she said that she wanted to go to NYU. And I said, well, you know, that's great for film. Um, it'll cost you about a half a million dollars. You probably should wait and spend that kind of money for professional school instead and use all the money that you borrow <laughs> uh, to go to like, a state school and do really well and blah, 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 blah. I was so full of insight and information and she left her cake and went in the house and it didn't occur to me that uh, until this morning that I, I was being, you know, as Bill and Ned said, I was being a conductor instead of a consultant. She didn't ask me for any information. So, you know, to just watch your kid, you know, say they want to go to NYU when they're 14 and know yourself that like, oh, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your parents are in the 28% tax bracket, not the 33rd. 
It's so true. And I do catch. Have y'all not told her? <laughs> I do catch. I have to catch myself sometimes. And you just referred um, to Bill and Ned. That that was our last uh, podcast episode. Um, the the self driven child authors who were so great. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. Um, but I do have to catch myself with Nora often saying something similar to that something your niece said where I know it can't come true or be true. And I just catch myself and just go, Oh, that sounds really great. Or, Oh, that sounds super fun. Or, Oh, because a lot can happen between now and whatever the time that this thing that she's just described to me can happen. And hopefully she'll learn if it's really way off base, she'll learn how off base it is by the time she gets there. But it's hard to not shut things down like that right off the bat. Right. And, and also it's like, if you love your kid, I mean, I think that you should be respectful and find a way to have that conversation. But, but again, I was a visitor yeah, I hadn't yeah. earned my uh, status to um, defer or uh, cancel out any of her dreams. You know, and also I think it's like, you know, one of, one of the things that this book made me think about um, was um, unconditional love mm. and how like self-compassion is so in fashion it is the it, self-compassion is you never even have to worry about fashion when you have self-love and self-appreciation and self-compassion because you're so full of yourself and so affirming of yourself you know, that uh, you're not even thinking that you don't look cute. Um, you feel <laughs> cute. That's what's most important anyway. That's true. But um, I was just thinking like um, the, it, you know, clearly this woman was struggling with loving herself Mm. and and eventually did find ways to behave herself into or love herself into loving herself yeah um and um i was just thinking that unconditional if another thing parents claim and hold that position of loving their children unconditionally and 90% of the people I know struggle to love themselves unconditionally mm-hmm. and have these horrible self-critics. And um, I just don't see how they can extend that unconditional love when they don't have it on for themselves. I mean, I know this is controversial, <laughs> but you know, it's just like, if you think you love your kid unconditionally, Maybe you need to rethink that or maybe, you know, run a check on yourself about your own condition that you have for yourself. So you're saying, are you saying then it's hard to, to love unconditionally, to love others unconditionally if you don't love yourself unconditionally? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see, you know, because with, with my niece, if she was um, the the type of person, the the image and the bubbly uh, personality um, that I thought 
that is my favorite personality and 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 image um those adorable bubbly wonderful engaging excited kids i probably would have said like oh my god they're gonna love you at nyu and versus like they would eat you up yeah you should so go and um interesting because i judge myself that like if i'm if i'm not fit if i don't feel engaged and on top of things like that you know that i'm not as lovable then i project that onto her yeah i'm imposing my formula on the her oh interesting yeah well i do i mean i do think that i mean similar to what you're saying like i do think it of course we love our kids unconditionally like at the very base level but how you put that out in the world on a day-to-day basis it i know that i don't come across that way every right and i bet you you would come across that way even more so more loving in when you find yourself more accepting appreciative and kind to your own self yeah, that's true. I and agree with that. Parents get so hung up on, you know, um, if they get pissed because their kid wants to do X, wants to become an accountant instead of a writer, and the family's full of writers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just like, well, hey, yeah, you probably should do whatever makes you happy. I mean, you know. <laughs> You can't see Jerome's face. He's, he's, he's got a look. <laughs> yeah. It's like your kid knows that like they just got ridden out of the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Cause they pick up on everything. Yes, they do. Oh my gosh. Well, I did want to circle back to your niece story. And one other like piece of it to me is I think there's a difference between she's 14 and a half a lot, again, a lot can change in four years. Even as a parent, I don't think I would, if my kid was 14 and said, I want to go to NYU, I think I would go, wow, that sounds great. And then that's a different conversation than if she's 18 and saying that and she's applying to college. Like, you really think that you can get into NYU or Stanford thinking about it at 18 instead of 14? No, what I'm saying is if I thought that it, it's one thing to crush a oh, dream of a 14-year-old. applying. Right. But if, if you're she at, was a junior. Right. Then that's the time, as a parent, that's the time for the conversation. Not, mm-hmm. not at 14, I don't think. At 14, it's like blue skies and big dreams and you just keep those doors open and then let them see what it takes to get there. And, and there's time for them to learn on their own. What white people, white <laughs> people, white people. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tie this into something else that we just finished last night as a family watching this docu-series called cheer. Have you heard of it, Jerome? No. Okay. I'm throwing it. I'm throwing it in. Uh, kind of unannounced, but it just makes me think because it's a lot about what we're talking about. It's a docu-series on Netflix, which is so good. And it's all about this uh, junior college 
cheer squad in Texas and oh, it's, Lord. and it's, um, and it's a, like, I think it's six, it's only six episodes and it follows like four or five of the kids on this squad. And so this, it's, it's a nationally known cheer squad. They've won the grand nationals like 13 times, this little tiny community college in Texas. And it's just got this kick-ass coach. And it's about these kids who come from all of these backgrounds and cheer is what is saving them. And so much of it comes from them. They're, all the things that they've dealt with comes from not having what you said, like this unconditional love, this strong support system. And they get to this coach of this cheer team who becomes that person for them finally. And they're able to kind of relax and become themselves and they get parented finally at 18 or 19 or 20 and oh my gosh it is so good <laughs> that's so great now as long as they get their double herkies right oh my god you get you should see these kids jerome you've got to watch it i know oh, you- i'm gonna watch it it's it's already done because see <laughs> i loved sherry ganong and i bet you you can trace whoever that coach is back to the memphis state uh pom-pom girls yeah Remember, yeah. they won year after year after year, and all the teachers that won thereafter were people that came straight out of University of Memphis. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I should look into her a little more. Anyway, it's great, but it but it gets to this point of um, what what you were talking about. The author of this book, you know, she just was not. She didn't have that parenting, that love, and you need it. And wherever you get it. And what she did, the whole purpose of this book was learning how to parent herself and give herself that love that she wasn't getting from other places. And so wherever you get it. um, I think you get more of it once you start the ball rolling. Um, Mm. So she started acting like she wanted to feel uh, that she, but that she loved and respected herself. And then other people pour in. Those kids show up to that coach. And because the one thing that I've been telling on the mountain lately is um, action precedes motivation. And if you're trying to motivate somebody that is inert, that is not in action, then it's, it's a waste of time. Um, yeah, you know, make sure the ball's already rolling. That's why so many motivational speakers, you know, uh, or parents giving a pep talk doesn't work. It fails because the kids already need to be in motion. So she's getting those kids as a coach when they're already, you know, wide right. open, believing and receiving. Glory. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point because yeah, like I said at the beginning, you know, so much of this book is book is action oriented. You know, mm-hmm. giving you things to do, and mm-hmm. that kind of step by step by step gets you in that momentum that can kind of keep you rolling and get you rolling faster. Yes, and if that step is a a loving voice that is encouraging you to keep rolling i'm talking about your own voice being a loving voice yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a big one. Oh, it's changing the world is changing in that regard 
every guru you listen to these days, everybody's talking about self-compassion, um, loving yourself, being kind to yourself first, because that's what keeps the bus. I mean, uh, if love is driving the bus, um, it's a lot more sustainable than if fear is driving the bus. And when you're scaring yourself, shaming yourself into success, it does work, but it's not a sustainable model. Well, in, in this time, day and time, too, when we're all spending so much time by ourselves or with a small group of people and you're not getting that maybe validation that you usually get from work or, you know, wherever you're getting those strokes, it's really up to you to be giving yourself that now. Like it's more important than ever, I think, to have the, the conversations in your head be thoughtful and gentle and kind. It's, I think it's an understatement to say that it's more important than ever. I think it is the, the best thing that you can do for your kid is to love yourself unconditionally. That's the best thing that you can do for your kid. You model that. And, um, you know, because they watch and pick up on everything. Mm-hmm. If they look at that person that loves themselves unconditionally um, and appreciate that, you know, like I come from a religious doctrine that says, you know, that, you know, um, whether you're a mess or being your best, God loves you anyway. Mm. And that's what total depravity is about. So even if you are, feeling like a pathetic, you still are lovable. And if you learn that, the sooner you learn that, the better off you are. So when you, so do you think that's part of your job as a therapist? Are you replacing God in the modern world? Are you going to go there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, by no means, what, what I try to do as a therapist is I call physiology the divine flow, that we are a temple, that our physiology, we can't know God if we don't, you know, um, without being alive, without. And so I, I try to teach people to do whatever you can do to keep your flow divine, to keep all the happy chemicals flowing, to keep your microbiome Mm. on point, you know, uh, because you will see um, if you're feeling divine and on top of things, then you will look for um, opportunities and beauty in the world um, to, um, attach that feeling to. And even when you see suffering, you will see it as an opportunity to, um, to empathize, connect with, or maybe be, have the energy to do something about it. Right. Well, I mean, let's get back to this original idea of be the, um, be the heroine of your own life, not the victim. And, I mean, talk a little bit again about thinking about your practice. I mean, do you think this is something that you see in your patients where they feel like they don't, they don't realize the agency they have over their own lives? Is that a thing in the world or am I just a 50-something? First of all, I am so 
over you getting quotes like this and just thinking they're so amazing. And I'm like, every preacher says this every week, be a victor, not a victim. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's like if Joel Olstein says it, you can't hear it. That's right. You're person- right about that. <laughs> You are right about that. <laughs> T.G. Jake's been saying this forever. <laughs> <laughs> I so, know. Late to the party. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we need to, you know, you can only hear it when you can hear it. And, yeah, that is true. Well, but so, what about that, Jerome? Like, is that a thing your patients deal with is feeling like they're they're not in control or they don't have the power Um, I think that everybody feels that. I think that if someone chooses not to be close to you, that you will, because you're human, feel abandoned, feel rejected, and that probably has the same uh, anatomical uh, uh, underpinnings as feeling like a victim and uh, is very painful. And so getting stuck in that is can be a problem and i do think that there are people that you know really um we sometimes call them professional victims but that love being a victim Mm. and um because that the victim is innocent you know i love when someone's talking about um their narcissistic um spouse and what that narcissistic spouse did. And, um, and I'm thinking, well, so, you know, your, your, your own narcissism and thinking that, you know, you know, you're the injured party and that you were the innocent. I mean, it, it goes both ways. So yeah, that uh, is one of your favorite sayings is yeah. how are you, how are you the asshole in this situation? Right. What? That's right. And that's what pops that bubble and gives a p- people an opportunity to not be the victim and to not feel like one does not have any power to change their situation. Um, but of course it might be, you know, less shame in being the victim than actually trying to change your life and realize where you land on the food chain and just, you know, oh, I'm just a townhouse ass brother. Okay. (laughs) Motherfucking white people, I can't believe slavery. (laughs) So like like, when I get that front porch, you know, I'll I'll give white folks that. Uh, I'll lay off of them. <laughs> well, I, that's funny you say that because I was thinking of it like, yeah, very, like not even going as deep as you're taking it, but like there are some times where I say to myself, like, Laura, you you can go out and take a walk. Like, right. Y- you don't have to not be walking. Like, you can be taking care of your health. Like, just go out and right. take a walk. That's like, right. it's, it's, it's these little things and it's, and sometimes it's the tiniest thing like that. And sometimes it's like, you see yourself as a certain type of person who doesn't do that type of thing, or you're known as the type of person who does this kind of thing and not that kind of thing. But that doesn't mean you can't 
do something different. Oh, I know. And just miss out on so much. People are putting their lives in the hands of 27-year-old journalists that are like not getting laid and, and probably don't even juice, you know? And I think they really need to be careful with that. <laughs> so do you mean people taking advice from what they're reading? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, it's just like, and and they end up not going on a walk. <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, you listen to too many journalists these days. They're um, beware of the storyteller and the storyteller's agenda. And, mm. um, and, and if you find yourself not taking a walk or not showering, you know, um, I, I would wonder about the stories that are my news feed. That's what disrupts the divine flow when, you know, things that you're consuming that makes you feel too cortisol toxic or throws your microbiome off. You know, it's just like you better check yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. And again, that's all that's particularly good advice for right now, too, is because so many people are just passing the time. I'm pointing at myself. Wow. Or even when someone says, buy the fucking calla lilies, you know, um, ew, if you want to, and if you don't, yeah. um, be kind to yourself for not buying it. And, um, and, be, and let that be the love that you show yourself, that yeah. I'm not going to kick myself for not indulging myself uh, with flowers. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, I, I, I think this book is great. And I actually would love for, it is something that's close enough to teens. I think she'd have to be an older teen, but I think it is something to even pass on to an older kid who's maybe going off to college or something. It has, it's got the voice that I think an, an older kid would really love. It's got great action items. And like I said, this kind of, be the heroine of your own life really stuck with me, even though Jerome is giving me shit about it. <laughs> I'm going to send you Joel, Joel's uh, sermon on that. <laughs> Girl is good. It'll get you running around the house. <laughs> well, you know, um, and, and I know you're going to say, what's the billboard? On that. Yes. And I just, I just did my hand counting on my hands, but like, one thing that my girlfriend, Kristen Neff, she doesn't know that she's my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, my secret girlfriend, my favorite self-compassion psychologist. Um, she says, um, like a, sometimes the word love is too strong for people. Yeah. They feel a little bit of discomfort saying that. So it's like, is it ever too... Um, early in life to start asking your kid how do you what do you appreciate about you mm. what do you appreciate about you yeah because self, nice. self appreciation runs in that same vein as self-compassion and self yeah you know, how do you appreciate yourself? so I um, I think that that's a great billboard coming from this book I think so too. I think that's, I think that's really good. And it gets to this idea too, that like, 
what do you appreciate? But it's like building your own story and like kind of looking at yourself from outside yourself and seeing yourself in a different way. And maybe that is a way that could spur you to, I am the kind of person who would do this. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind Mm -hmm. of gets you thinking about yourself as having agency in the world by, by evaluating yourself and really thinking about who you are and what you stand for and what, what you appreciate about yourself. So, Laura, they call that speaking it into existence. Glory okay. be. Okay. <laughs> Glory be. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, nice, 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 nice. Well, thanks for... <laughs> Wait, what's that? I do it as well. Well, he, you write yourself into existence with journaling. So much fun. <laughs> Journaling is a big part of this book too. That's a, a big takeaway from this book. So it's yeah. a part of every, you know, when you sit down and man, I just can't tell people how much you, you know, writing yourself into existence. The That's some powerful shit. It just really is some powerful shit to get that kind of conversation going in your head and you buy into that instead of buying into the, the the narrative that was uh i mean you know such a big part of culture to be um to diminish yourself and to self-deprecate yeah. so you know you really have to have a competitive narrative that's a strong narrative to do that and you do it every morning right um all the time because it's blasphemous to n- do anything other than that <laughs> <laughs> And so it is, yes. <laughs> as Jerome says it is. And I'm acting like it's Sunday church. No kidding. <laughs> it's actually Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're taking us, taking us to the chapel. Thank All you, Jerome. Right. It's great talking to you. Good to talk to you too, boo. Have a good rest of the day. Love you. Okay, ya. you too. Love you. Bye. Bye.